Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of the world and the worlds that surround us. We are all in search of truth. But sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on February 14th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring the concept of vampirism within Destiny. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session of the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 This is the house-sitting, golden-doodle-petting, green-eyed music lover. And last but definitely not least, in the hot seat as guest co-host, we have our good friends Razor's Edge Raz and Wicked Jester. So I'm going to let the lady go first. So Wicked, how are you doing? <laughs> My heart hurts right now, dude. <laughs> My heart hurts. Partially because there's some truth to that statement. But... <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, I like how we didn't even make it 30 seconds into the show. Um, right? Uh, I, I could resist that one. That one was. I love you, Blue. Uh, Raz, how are you doing? I'm just absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. Beautiful. Uh, so, usual introductory questions for you two. Uh, where can we find you guys on the internet? Raz, you want to go first on that one? Oh, you're so kind. Mm-hmm. I I I lurk. I lurk on Twitter. I mean, my, the handle's the same thing. Razor's Edge Raz over there. And yeah, that's that's pretty much straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> the coffee's kicking in. Congratulations. This is what you get to deal with now. So that's where you get to find me. And uh, yeah, all mm. you. You dear. <laughs> <laughs> You can also find Raz in Hydra on PlayStation and Xbox. No. Yes, you can. No. I, I'll give you a gamer tag. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> the it's all the same thing. <clears throat> yeah, it's all the same thing. Uh, for me, I'm on Twitter, on YouTube, same thing, Wicked Jester, uh, doing some lore series with the Lunch Bite lore episodes, which will be starting back up later on this weekend as I launch the final episodes for the uh current one that i've got going and i am on xbox pc and playstation now though i prefer not to play on pc if we're going into pvp so yeah it's still rough yeah 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 Yeah, that ain't happening (laughs) okay 
So if you guys can't tell, uh, Raz and I play together quite a bit. We're, uh, I guess I could say former clanmates, Hydra. And uh, we pretty much play weekly, if not daily, with the three of us. So shenanigans ensue. And uh, just a warning to audience members or listeners, please preview this episode before you uh, have little ones around because it's likely to have moments of uh, that aren't safe for little ears. Just heads up. In the words of Dave Chappelle, you better hide your kids. Basically. Basically. <laughs> you go like, home now. So You make the wife cry. Time for me to torture you two a little bit. You ready? Oh, boy. With Wicked, you've been on the show before, so we, you've kind of gone through these questions a little bit. But I want to see if things have changed because it's been a couple of months. And mm-hmm. I want to get Raz's input as well as what is your favorite lore story from Destiny? Okay, so favorite lore story in current opinion is still the last word. It's still my favorite lore story, but unveiling has actually started becoming more and more of a, I guess, more commonly talked about story that I've been dealing with lately as far as just the the books around it and the concepts that are being discussed in it. You also That's a lot of what your uh, lunch bite lore is about Mm -hmm. right now too. You've been diving into it specifically with that show. Yep. Yeah. Raz, what about you? What's your favorite lore story from Destiny? Mm, throw me under the bus again. Mm-hmm. Why? It's not throwing you under the it bus. It is totally throwing me. You know it exactly is not. This. I mean, I do. I, I, I'm becoming more and more enamored. As much as I hate to admit it, I'm, I'm falling in love with the Hive and everything with, with Thorn and story with Last Word and everything else. And it's somebody else's fault vehemently so can't see it but i've just put my chin on my hands and just yeah you do it you do it you're doing the thing like please tell me more yeah yeah mm-hmm. hey chat you guys got any idea what they're talking about nope mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i wasn't so- listening what are we talking about <laughs> thorn oh okay. thorn hive lord so it's spiky it tasty it tastes like suffering Oh my goodness! So, I don't think I'm you're going, supposed I'm to put going, it in your I'm mouth. I'm going home. I'm doing. <laughs> Run away! You are home for one. You are home for one. Um, There's no escape. Uh huh. Are we torture blue? We are the adults. <laughs> so, so Simpsons. Let's do. I'm in danger. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So here's. I want you to kind of expand on that a little bit because I know I know the reason why and I know that some of our chat knows the reason why you are you enjoy that story in particular but for people who haven't followed your RP accounts or anything like that would you mind kind of sort of explaining why that story in particular has stood out to you Oh dear well, need, like, I don't no, need. Now I'm the one with my hands or my hands on my chin. Yeah, yeah, you better keep <laughs> the hands right there the across your mouth, okay? Because that's where this is going to be going very soon. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay. 
<laughs> Anyways, don't read too um, much into it, Blue. Just don't just read into turn it. Away. No. Just turn no. away. Just run away. I'll send another war beast after you. I'm trying. Your war beasts are being mean right now. Stop being mean to the dog. You just, you know, just, just be nice to the dog, and it won't bite you in the ass. Okay. I mean, this is how this is works. Ah, oh God. Yeah. So there is, you know, the wonderful Twitter side of RP in the Destinyverse and um, pretty much how I ran into Green and Wicked at this point. So uh, my OC uh, for lackluster terms ran into the Golden Boy and uh, well, let's just do the simple math. Uh, Thorn happened. There's no other way I'm going to say this. Thorn happened. Nisa's still mad. <laughs> and this is why we can't have nice things in the Dreaming City. Yeah, so, to kind of fill in some of the details without getting graphic, <laughs> the, uh, Yeah, this is all on you. You can explain <clears throat> the rest of this. The three of us started RPing together oh, a little over a year ago at this point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mike plays Shen. So I played Petra and the story with Shin started taking that darker turn because we started getting more about Shin and the uh, shadows. And so learning that Shin is also using Thorn and everything, uh, Wicked decided to implement that in his stories a bit and a bit. bit. And Nisa got up close and personal with Thorn. Oh yeah. Let's just find out it's a veil and like, go full throttle yeah. in the middle of the freaking dreaming city. Yeah, that's basically, just a yeah. brilliant idea. Shin slash uh, veil, basically. Bail. Yeah. Basically put her through the test, essentially. And and she's God. Raz, Raz learned a lot about <laughs> Thorne's history and Shin and everything like that, thanks to that. There's no... It, you could say she got I, a taste for it. <laughs> you make my poor ghost suffer so much as if she doesn't already argue enough with him so, <clears throat> uh, so beyond that story and RPing <laughs> that got you into the lore exploration like diving into lore first and mm-hmm. let Raz think about it a moment Wait, what was what was the the uh, inquiry again on that one? What got you into lore exploration, uh, RPing and stuff like that? If RPing is the answer, great. But like, if there's something else that kind of well, I mean, yeah, the RP kind of helped, you know, just because I've been doing RP for like literary RP online for I don't even want to admit this, like back in like '96. Okay, I I know life that. Because it just it was a perfect outlet at the time. <clears throat> so if uh, I find a story arc that I like, I'll kind of stick with it. And I just started, you know, nitpicking a little bit, you know, with the OC thing with Nisa, and then, you know, stumbled across, ah, stumbled across the podcast and you mm-hmm. guys, and then it just kind of like went from there. At that point, it went, became less of a okay, I'm going to flesh out a character to hey, I'm actually going to invest a lot of time an interest into this game to see where it goes. And at this point, there is no Alice in Wonderland. I've lost track where the White Rabbit went. And um, I'm pretty sure 
my ahamkara is a freaking jabberwocky at this point. So that's where I'm going on that one. Snickersnack. Yeah. Snack. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Snickersnack. <clears throat> I know the answer to this one as well. And loud and proud for the people in the back. Raz, what class do you primarily play? Really? <laughs> I know. Really? Our audience doesn't. Look, there is there is only one. There's only one master race with the hunters and the night stalker. The else is absolutely wrong. I'm class. sorry. No. It's a class. It's not a race. This is. I'll shoot you all. Fuck you. Fuck you. She's a Titan wannabe. I don't know about that pen. Oh, hell no. She likes to stay. She's a fighting words, dude. Run. Oh. Run. Oh, pens. Oh, sweetheart. Oh, bless your heart, Ron. You know, I, I was—I mean, I was gonna ask you if you wanted to go out to Permanis, but I mean, man, you just no, sweetheart, no, 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 you go to your corner now. Oh uh, no, it's it's shiny buddies. She actually, Raz was very forward-thinking when it came to Night Stalker, and she was using a bottom tree Night Stalker before anybody else before they gave it a buff. She's OG, OG bottom tree. I am OG. I'm OG. Like mess your face up. Okay. Period. Uh, if you can't tell, she's sassy. But, uh, uh, is that the is that Mobius quiver or is that? Yeah, it's the six shot. Six shot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She she's been running that for as long as I've known her since I've been pretty much. I ran that. That was pretty much exclusively what I ran in D1, but then I switched back to Way of the Trapper with D2, just because mm-hmm. I think the deadfall is a little bit more my my speed. Now, since they buffed the bottom tree on the Hunter, it actually does as much damage, if not more, than a uh, Golden Gun for a single shot for Celestial. Yeah. True, so but I like, I like pretty- dodging to go invisible. Yeah, I and do also too. Keen and Scout, I... Keen Scout is mm. mm-hmm. no, just just, just give Orpheus, and I will just like just pop oh yeah, Orpheus, the entire um, team, like just yeah, just get out of my is, way. Mm-hmm. Orpheus is a delicious, delicious. Thing. It is a absolutely gorgeous piece. Just so mm-hmm. to uh, kind of direct us back to the topic that we're here for tonight, vampires, vampirism in general. It's a question just purely of my own making. I'm curious what got you into the histories and the mythologies of that in particular. And Well, hey, Green, real quick, before we go too far into it, let's run uh-huh. through some quick housekeeping notes and then jump into that just for, for the intros because we, we skipped housekeeping notes last week. So we just have a few little ones uh, this week. Okay. Um, so... Hey. Last episode, we discussed game genres. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to let us know by giving us a shout over on Twitter, leaving a comment on Podbean, or sending us a quick email at focusfirechat at gmail.com. Reviews or comments on where we can improve are always welcome. They let us know what we can do better to create a more enjoyable experience for everyone. To all who have already sent feedback or left us a review, thank you. 
As many of you are aware, Focus Fire Chat is a community in which we offer the chance to dive into lore from within various titles and mediums with a special focus on the Destiny universe. Every Friday at about 10 p.m. Central, the podcast team gets together to stream a summary of the chosen topic for that week. The hope for this is to help encourage dives into aspects of game lore within both our Discord server and within the other communities we share the digital world with. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, a central hub for content that covers a wide variety of different titles and mediums. Our full show notes for each week's topic will be posted there, so for the additional information or guest details, be sure to check the site out. Our next topic is going to be an exploration into the lore book, Last Days of Kraken Mare. That being said, however, we still want to hear your thoughts about this week's topic. Be sure to weigh in over on our Discord, and don't be shy in tagging any of the team in on the conversation. We can't wait to read what your thoughts are. But for now, let's get back to the show. Okay, now you can go. Want me to say it again? I can say it again. Sure. I feel like I'm walking into a trap and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm like I'm like this is like would you like me to say it again? Um yes? I Yes. Guys, and this actually goes for you too, Blue, because this is something I've been curious about with you as well. So, okay. I'm going to have uh, Raz go first. Wicked is kind of on the fence with this one because I know Wicked has not as much background into vampires as both you and Raz. But what got you into the mythology vampires just as a, a topic that you really decided to dive into? Um, Raz? Yeah, sure, sure. <clears throat> okay. Um, okay, well, from there's it's, it's a two part for me. I mean, there's the gaming aspect because um, anybody familiar with White Wolf's World of Darkness? Yes. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I am like the walking totem of the, uh, the flesh crafters because I have the Ouroboros dragon. Nice. So, I mean, the absolute love for that was from there and all the clans, the bloodlines, the regents, all this whole batshit insanity that comes with the Sabbat. But from the mythology point, there's so many different aspects that have popped out. Like primarily you've got everything from Lilith with the Sumerians, the Mesopotamian era, uh, everything that ties into the Kabbalah with that. And um, my own personal heritage background Everything from the the Strigoi, the Moroi uh, spirit path, basically disembodied, angry ancestor spirits that come back. Uh, Eastern versions. The uh, it's like my own sick addiction, basically. Okay. Van- vampirism in general, because there's so many different aspects that you can look at: spiritual ones, Thanks. energy draining. You know, the chi ones, eastern ones. It's mm-hmm. it's one of those things you just kind of spiral and kind of lose control at that point. There's just something absolutely fascinating with That's one of the things that I think is going to be really interesting to dive into as we compare the different and uh, enemy races in Destiny, because not well, only do enemy races have aspects of vampirism, but our own characters do. Yeah, well, I think 
I mean, to clarify there, the the Eastern concept of life force stealing is really where you see a lot of the connection to destiny with vampirism. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not and that I mean, what I mean by that is that there's not um, there's not blood like the, sucking like well, the and, and so, not the traditional right. sense. Well, because it. the traditional Western vampire, the reason why they're focused on life or on blood is due to the Greek uh, concept of the source of life being the the uh, the balances of the humors, blood. Mm-hmm. right? And so, when you have a Western culture that the, for in the Western culture, uh, blood was ascribed to holding the actual essence of life, whereas in you have like the the Middle and Far <laughs> East, the Near East, all of them, they they value like the 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 aspect of, of blood and yeah the and aspect of blood was still important but it wasn't the seat of power it wasn't the seat of that that life spark if you will um it was actually like more spiritual which is where you get like the ethereal you know wraiths and and all that um and that's what yeah, you Kuma. you can yeah yeah definitely but i mean like that's where you get the the concept that's much more ascribed to like the hive and you know even us as guardians in the game, that's where you're going to see a lot more parallels being drawn, which makes sense so, because in destiny, there's a lot more, there's a lot more ties to the Eastern mythos really than there is to the, actually to a lot of the Western. Did you get your fascination for it or when, Mine? when did that come into play? Mm-hmm. Uh, so similar, like I, I've always been, I, I've, role played you know we've talked about that quite a bit uh i white wolf was a big proponent because of the um propensity to for that game to be much more focused on the actual role playing instead of just the hack and slash component so it's always been a very big interest we personally played garu more uh which is werewolf uh, but we always we always interacted with like mages and vampires as you know as that entire campaign is really kind of a full circle. You don't really get one without the other. Um, so like the the myth the mythos the was always yeah the mythos was all well. And then you have like wraith and uh, all the other. Ra- ones. Oh yeah, you can't forget wraith, and then you get into hunter, and then yeah. But so like the whole the whole um, aspect of vampirism was it's always been a fascinating thing Um, to me. It's more of a literary uh, study. Uh, It's because of the importance of things like Carmilla. You have the uh, breaking into uh, multiple. How would I say it? It, it? Carmilla and Dracula for their own specific unique reasons broke a lot of uh social norms in their own ways um and i kind of talked about that when we taught when i did the snapshot on the karnstein armlets especially for carmilla uh dracula was much more about social norms and the struggles of uh what would be referred to as polite society and and religious upbringing and stuff like that uh you had you had definite struggles of catholicism versus the the other Protestant religions within Dracula as well. But so there, there was always something from a literary standpoint that really kind of drove those mythos uh, to another level. Um, And then when I was in college, I actually, my, my major is in psychology, but I have a minor in thanatology. 
and huh. it's an emphasis on the social mythos of vampirism as a symbol of how different societies deal with the concept of death and dying. And so I basically spent three years doing an in-depth di- in-depth dive of uh, Dracula as a gateway into Victorian death attitude. Um, because the tran- the uh, the evolution of the vampire as uh, a mythical figure from the Victorian era and before into what we see today is uh, it's a stark it's a stark metamorphosis, but it's also a very inter- interesting metamorphosis when you look at the also the transition of our attitude towards death as a as a society we we have a much more romanticized view of death than they did in the times of carmilla of dracula of you know the actual you know grimm's fairy tales and stuff like that you can see this really in any fairy tales evolution uh today's Uh world today's world is dominated by disney um well even not even was dominated by grimm's it's it's a lot darker the original stories are way darker and like you're saying disney is kind of disneyfied and pg'd them for everyone or right but made i mean them but my point, as much as yeah. as much as that aggravates me because well and and so like for full disclosure i grew up reading grimm's fairy tales like i that's what that's pretty much what i grew up i grew up learning how to read with the odyssey with grimm's fairy tales um you know, that's that's where I kind of cut my teeth, as if you will, on fantasy novels. So mm. for me, um, I've always had a problem because Disney. This is not really a this is not meant to be a severe dig at Disney. Disney didn't invent any of the stories that they're famous for. Um, they actually stole them and PG them. And my problem with that is that a lot of the message that was there are a lot of the messages that were included in the original mythos get lost when you take that out. Um, and, and there, and there's culturally, there's an explanation for that. It's, it's, I mean, it's, I, I could talk for hours on why you see a, uh, gentrification of the legends in today's society. Uh, it's, it's ties into the concept of the hierarchy of needs and, you know, the, the social, uh, sociological evolution of what we what we need and what we have um you know and and so there's that but i mean so going back to like vampirism in particular though it's always been a kind of a uh a gateway to examine that exact concept because it's one of those things where like i said i have a minor in thanatology so the approach of a society to the concept of death and the concept of dying is always been kind of in the back of my mind a fascination uh, because it's it's just one of those things that is really a crucial component to what makes us human, um, you know, and and that's the whole thing with vampirism is the the concept of immortality and what that cost um, is really kind of at the core of the vampiric mythos is okay. Hey, we, we're going to take away this, this crippling, you know, quote unquote limitation. But what does that do? Mm. What does that do to a person? If you don't have that degree of, Hey, you only have X amount of years to do this. Uh, you know, that, that is something 
that is a very big driving factor for humanity. Uh, mm-hmm. If uh, I remember one of the tagline, one of the like taglines in my thesis uh, that I put was, you know, immortality is something that you have to pay with your morality for. So the price of immortality is nothing more than becoming immoral because when you don't have mortality, it's your, your morality really is one of the first things sacrificed because there is nothing that is important to you other than yourself. Whereas when you have mortality, you have the, the need to prepare the world for when you're not here. There's an unconscious degree to which you are constantly worried about what happens when you're gone. And when you're mortal, as you know, all humanity is, you know, it's like, what happens when you're not here? That's, that's a question that everyone, regardless of where you are in life, you have to constantly, you, you are constantly bat- battling, whether it's, you know, a huge component or it's something that you've pushed to the side. It is something that every human being has thought about. And vampirism mm-hmm. is this weird thing where there's like, you know, this, this exploration, if you will, of, well, what happens if you don't have to worry about that? Um, right. You know, what, what, what type of crazy stuff happens? Authors who have kind of dove into that specifically oh, yeah. within yeah. their story, their vampire stories in particular. Like Anne Rice um, is one that pops to mind immediately. <laughs> so, Wicked, I don't know about you. Um, what What about your vampires and vampirism and that concepts so i'm <clears throat> i definitely did have not been into in depth as far as raz and blue have um i definitely share a fascination for them mm. uh, a, a lot of my initial interest in them came from obviously use in pop culture references uh movies that for the most part usually depict them in a very different and biased situation than the mythology and the lore does. Um, <clears throat> once I started actually looking at the history of vampires and started looking at, you know, the different kind of topics associated with them, consumption of blood, uh, and just the general idea of absorbing somebody's life and then comparing that because the way I look at it is trying to compare it to what I see in hum- actual human history where you have like, there were there have been some tribes before that actually consumed parts of their enemies' bodies and believed that that gave them power of their mm-hmm. from their enemies, um, and that's documented stuff from literally battle reports and of history. Uh, there's and this is kind of I guess the probably the biggest interest that I've had is actually what Jay kind of just touched on is the idea of the morality and what you, what changes about your morality. I I kind of saw it a little bit differently um, in that it's not, I don't think morality causes necessarily a lot or immortality causes a loss of morality so much as a, or causes immorality so much as a change in perspective of Mm -hmm. what, what kind of morality Mm -hmm. really matters. Yeah. You play a bigger Um, game. Right. And, and in real, in, Really, whenever I whenever I see that, I think there's there's three different parts 
to that concept where you do have, you have us as mortal human beings and we do worry about, you know, preparing the world, as you said, preparing the world for our, us leaving it. But I think that that in itself is still thinking of us because I mean, mm-hmm. think of our, you know, when we pass our, our things down to our children, we want something of us left in the world. So right. whenever you're immortal, legacy. You yeah. yeah, whenever you're immortal, you don't have to really necessarily worry about what your legacy is. Um, so I think that's when it switches from that initial concept of, oh, well, I need to do something for others or about others to pass myself into the world to where it's more of a focused on yourself experience. But at the same time, that too, I think comes to an end because again, as you said before, or as we were talking about a few minutes ago, it, you get a much grander scope of understanding of what's going on in the world. And there's only so many human experiences that you can actually really accomplish. And I think that's a very limited, I think, you know, it's one of the things I think that they were covering in, uh, <clears throat> in Witcher, uh, the, mm-hmm. the series that we were watching was that the, one of the dragons, the, the character that had lived so long was like, this is my last experience. There's, there's a finite point that you reach where once you've lived so long, all other actions seem kind of pointless. So what are you really trying to do? I mean, there's, I think there's a point where you goes from selfishness to the extent of extending one's life to where once the extension of one's life is, or is no longer a consideration, there's the concern of wanting to just experience everything. Mm -hmm. And then once you've experienced everything, finding value in what's worth being experienced. Yeah, you can. It's the it's the old <clears throat> adage that the journey is 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 better than the destination. It's it's actually the journey right. that we're concerned with because, and and it's so funny because that's what a lot of you know even, uh, not even modern but like religions preach that mm-hmm. in their own way. It's it's you know don't focus on the destination, focus on how you get there. The means to the end, the end doesn't justify the means. The means justify the end. Um, mm-hmm. because once you get to the destination, it's actually really common, uh, with people who have found, you know, wild success and pick a, pick an area. A lot of times mm-hmm. they, they, they will go on record saying, well, I got it, but I don't know what to do now. Like, you know, it's, it's like you, <laughs> like it's a dog the dog. Chasing a car. Yeah. I was just about to say, it's like the dog chasing the car. It's like, okay, I caught the car. Oh no. Like, you know, it, they, it, <laughs> you don't know what to do with it. Um, and that's also really, that's not, I mean, that's, I mean, like that example right there, that's not even just a human thing. I think that's just, uh, we have to have those drives as a, um, a base level of instinct because that's what, Mm -hmm. you know, allows our species. That's evolutionarily what allows our species to survive, but it's so weird because, oh, go for it. That also creates the uh, dissonance that happens yes. within yourself in the fact that you, if you do not accomplish that goal as fast yes. as you want to, yep. you cause yourself um, disease or just to go into a depression of sorts. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's both a, without rem- having the reminder of nation um, being the more important part. We oftentimes just throw ourselves at something, and when we it's- don't get there right away. It's the weird, it's the weird, uh, double-edged sword of like, especially modern society, uh, for humans is that we are so, we have gotten so good at doing what we do that we achieve 
Like, I mean, it, I don't know. I know it's kind of like a long-standing joke, like the whole concept of first world problems. But that's what they are. First world. Pro- that's what a first world problem is. Mm-hmm. Is that you have literally you don't have anything on your hierarchy of needs, and you literally are your brain is creating problems to continue mm-hmm. giving yourself a drive. Yeah. I mean, if you look at people in, you know, and I, I tread very lightly on this, but if you look at people in third world, third world and second world countries where their, their issues are literally talking about survival, sometimes the, the benchmark of what makes them happy is ridiculously different than what would be a quote unquote happy individual in America and, you know, anywhere in the European union, any of oh, these, yeah, in anywhere of these like first world countries, because they're, they're high, they, they have an actual literal need that is not being met. And so their, their focus is legitimately on, you know, whether that's safety, uh, you know, reproduction, whatever, uh, the the hierarchy of needs actually, from a social standpoint, really does drive that home too. Sorry. How do we bring this? In? No, you're good. No, how do <laughs> okay. we bring I, this? It, I, it's- okay, so I actually, I actually have something because going back with uh, what I was talking about, as far as relating that back into the vampires and where my interest was in that, um, Destiny is one of those things where we run into the issues of the the idea of living a such a long life and the moral conundrums that we have with that it that by far to me is the biggest interest that i have with destiny and it's really and with vampires in general it's just this kind of psychological issues that we run into with that Mm -hmm. um the having to be prepared for things like your relatives not being alive anymore um you know, and that could be anywhere from your grandparents to your wife, to your children, to your spouse, whatever, however you look at it. Um, <clears throat> and I think that specifically with destiny, one of the unique things that we can look at with our memory being gone, yep, it's very much, it, it kind of is in the same way, I guess, forward, forward shifting us into that mindset. That way we don't have to overcome the, the moral dilemma that we'll say a vampire would have to go through when it's first doing that transition into immortality of overcoming his humanity. We can be extremely distant in a way. It's actually a blessing. It is, but at the same time, it's still, we still have issues with it as well. Oh, oh, definitely. I posted it. I posted (laughs) that tweet the other day, the Harvey, the Harvey Dent quote, Mm -hmm. the, uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, if we don't you either, if, if die, we either die hero or live long enough to become a villain yeah correct and that's something that baby shovelhead sabat vampire going back through life and then the poor ghost is just bringing it back and blue knows exactly what i'm talking about with this part <laughs> what the, no don't do it shovelhead. but Green's just gonna ignore us. Okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to like, trying to segue back into Regular. the actual topic a bit. Um, the besides the immortality, I'm, what? And I just want to, since we're, this is the introduction episode, what concepts that we would consider a typical concept? The um, draining of life force, or 
um, consumption of life force or however so, you want to put it, or if there's some. So the, the easiest way to do that, to kind of connect it to destiny in that regard would be look at, look at the concept of light as the life force. So if you mm-hmm. look at light as uh, I often refer to it as the anima of the destiny universe, which is a very Aristotelian model concept. So anima is the mm-hmm. animating, literally the animating force, which is, I mean, it's, it's literally the life force, but it's called anima and, and it's because it's an animating spiritual force. Um, everything has it. Everything has anima uh, in the Aristotelian model. It's a, uh, it's very different. Gaia than concept. Yeah. It's very different than noose, which is the, like the concept of a mind. But anima is like a spirit, not the soul. Uh, so if you look at light as if it's an, a form of anima, then it makes the jump to see hive as vampiric a lot easier uh, because they are literally consuming light to survive. They, they have to. Like if they don't consume light, they will die. They, yeah. Is it the and, worm? Yeah. Well, and it's not just the worm. It's also in a way themselves because remember, they're the krill. It's actually, I would argue, it's actually almost where they can get their their long lives from because they are literally supplementing their own life force with the stolen life force of whatever they're stealing light from. And you have to steal light because, again, it's anima. It's in everything. So it's not like you can just be like, oh, well, I mean, I guess you could technically go eat a lot of plants, but it's going to take a lot of plants. A lot of time. Um. But like, and that's, that's where, like, when you start talking about vampirism, that's where my brain always immediately jumps to is the hive are very much along the lines of the Eastern concept of the, the soul. Like they, they're literally siphoning the soul. But in some respects now, granted the hive are using it to sustain themselves, Mm -hmm. but there are other our own guardians for oh, example oh, sure. we, we don't need it to sustain necessarily but every time we and a mode of light pops out yep. we're consuming that light light energy from the enemies themselves so i well, mean we're, so vampiric. we're just not we are we have a vampiric mechanism but we are not vampiric in so far as that's not what is necessarily sustaining us i still hold to the fact that guardians are more liches than vampires uh mostly because of the ghost concept uh is much more akin to a phylactery than whereas your hive are much more akin to the traditional concept of they are literally siphoning light into themselves to survive we are not siphoning light into ourselves as much as we are theoretically siphoning light into a offshoot of our self which is the traveler uh because again Hives guardians empires, guardians are goals and regents yeah well and i mean again liches or even revenants if you mm-hmm. really want to like kind of mm-hmm. split hairs because yeah. we are feeding if if we are feeding light to anything if and that's a big if because i don't even know if that's necessarily true it's to the traveler it's not to us um no. hmm? or not to us we so we use the traveler's light to to augment our paracausal capabilities um, mm-hmm. When we pick up light, we are literally holding it as a as a reserve and then immediately expending it back into the world. So if it, it, whereas with a vampire, they are literally consuming it. We're not consuming the light. We are we are turning it 
into a weapon uh, through the use of a right, basically it's a the law of conservation. Yeah, whereas a vampire, it's like they're actually con- that you would actually have consumption. Like when you talk about like sanguines and stuff like that, they are literally consuming the life force to to imbue it into themselves. Which is why, again, I I, I hesitate to say that guardians are they are vampiric they have a vampiric model but i don't i don't hold that they are vampires or vampires the vampire trope yes Yes. yeah i don't know Um, if any of that makes sense it it does to an extent so with me yeah well i was gonna say like with another really good way of looking at it is like when you talk about like the uh renfield syndrome uh which is clinical vampirism, which is an actual psychological disorder. Um, Renfield is a character from Dracula and his obsession was with feeding one animal to another, then to that animal to another to build up the life force within that animal to then become a, a more worthy vessel for his Lord, which was Dracula. So like his entire thing was basically Turduncan. Oh, some... he, well, he was turdunking life forces into each other, basically. And it was really it's he started with flies and then he went to spiders, then he went to birds, then he went to cats, and then he went to I think I think he eventually ate the cat. I think this the cats where he stopped, if I remember correctly. Um but like his whole thing was the consumption. And again, that's the big big difference is what is happening with the force like so with the the orbs of light again we are using a vampiric mechanism but we're not actually consuming that because you know once we get enough supercharged juice we just go pop pop and throw it back into the world with the shape of a you know whether that's blade barrage or the you know mobius quiver or whatever you're completely turning it back and making that that loop into a pseudo natural. I mean, it's a supernatural, but it's not an abnormal thing. I I actually think there's a couple of examples that where I, I would say it's hard not to see it as consumption. Uh, specifically, and as much as I hate to, as it pains me to admit this, uh, warlocks. When it comes to devour warlocks, yeah, but they devour the grenades. They, they. But do. there's also the the punch one where you devour the energy of the other person. Correct. Or you gain health with it. You you mm-hmm. gain you gain health from killing other guardians with, and yes, you can consume your own grenade to start the devour effect. Mm-hmm. But any mm-hmm. kills that you make after that point are continually feeding you and rebuilding your health and a shield. So yes, I, I can see where. Energy that's getting pushed out as yeah, far as yeah, supers and warlocks. So I'm, I'm, that's that's right, that's, fine. that's an no no no. That's an actual. That's a really interesting too because then that would oh that would throw difference. Okay. So that's and there's a few different and one mm-hmm. of the things that I while well, I was researching all of this, the warlocks have a pretty dark side to them, especially void walkers. Yeah, but uh, they've there is actually a reference uh, specifically to. What I would say, other than the Karnstein gauntlets, which are definitely referencing <laughs> vampires, <laughs> which, by the way, excellent job. Just, just, <laughs> that was a fun. <clears throat> that was a fun one to do. I, I can mm-hmm. tell. 
<laughs> but I, was, um, uh, I did research and I was like, there's so much that I'm going to get in trouble for. Because <laughs> <laughs> Carmilla is not a not a PG-13 uh-huh. book. No, no, it's OK. We're all adults here. So the one exotic that I latched onto was Sanguine. Uh, and that's a it's a it's basically a warlock trench coat that has this metal backpack on it that's filled with blood. It looks like, um, <clears throat> and the whole the whole thing about it, if you if you're reading the lore for it, talks about how when you were mortal, your power lay in blood, but now as you're become a as you have become a guardian, there's a new power coursing through your veins, and the blood calls to you. Are you strong enough? So there's, hmm. it's like, there's, and there's there, there's that. And there's also the idea of the Night Stalkers having true sight that mm-hmm. they can use. Or, um, that reminded me of basically <clears throat> somewhat echolocation. Mm-hmm. Was, mm-hmm. I guess you could kind of tie in with the whole bat thing of vampires, but also having the scent of blood on the air and being able to track something via that. Yeah, because I always viewed the Night Stalker's <clears throat> ability to track based off their their sensitivity to the light. Like mm-hmm. they would they would hunt because well, and which would I mean same difference at that point. Yep. But yeah, it's the devoured warlocks were definitely the ones that. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Green. I was just going to say the chat was mentioning the Awoken and how yeah, the, the possibility. Mm-hmm, the the Awoken have aspects that are slightly on that same vampires as well. Even the power source themselves, they play with both the light and dark within mm-hmm. any of their the magics that they're doing. So there's aspects because there are, forgive me if I'm wrong, aren't there vampires that quote unquote cast spells or have aspects of uh, hypnosis? I know is one of the things that is kind of a, a TV trope or a movie trope, yeah, but it's a trope. Um, so like with with a lot of a lot of times like especially with like Dracula in particular Dracula was it's it's always it cracks me up when you see Dracula in modern retellings because they always make him like really suave and I'm like that's not Dracula Dracula was <laughs> butt ass ugly and it, it, the, I mean he was he was he was a warrior like he was he was based off Vlad the Impaler like Vlad, yeah Vlad. I mean, Vlad Tepes like he he and and there's a fascinating connection between the two of those and like the the history of that character but like he was never like a courtier like he was no no he that's not how he he enthralled people he enthralled people because of his monstrous power like he literally like it's one of the very first things you see within Dracula is when he uh is introduced to Jonathan as as the char- the main character or one of the main characters sorry um Jonathan calls out the fact that Vlad is not really pleasant to look at but he is enthralled to him because he just exudes physical power like he he just has this overwhelming sense of uh raw not not I'm going to use charisma, but it's not the attractive charisma. It's a charisma derived out of like this animal, like just Dracula. fury. Yeah. You, you, are, you are terrified of him. <laughs> you, you, you do what he says because you are f- petrified that if you don't do what he says, he's going to break you in half. And, um, and like, I mean, like, so, 
looking in the description and even when he comes to when dracula is presented as coming to england he you see that again like he is i mean he is a powerful figure carmilla is vastly different carmilla is much more uh a feminine (laughs) fatale um and that was her point like that was the point of her but even she had that that overpowering sense of that I, I I want to say it's magnetism, but it's really not. It's it's like this over overpowering sense. So would you compare Carmilla to Mara in yes. some respects? Like, would they yes. be counterpoints to each other? I I would con- I would so yes, but not in a negative fa- not in a negative way. Like Carmilla's Carmilla's figure, uh, like as just like a a stereotypical trope is very much like Mara's figure. Now, Carmilla was in in the in the story of Carmilla, her entire point was the seduction and consumption of Laura. Um which is I mean, we we only see a snippet of Carmilla's existence, so like within the whole mythos of that, you know, there there's a lot of arguing there. Uh also the history of what Carmilla was based, but anyways, but as far as like that snippet, yes, I would definitely consider Carmilla or I would definitely consider Mara to be akin to a Carmilla figure as far as that charisma standpoint. Not How going to go into, not going to go into the relationships that Mara has that also coincide with Carmilla. I figured we'd wait until the advanced episode to dive into that aspect. Well, and and I, and actually that, that actually didn't even cross my mind until I literally was saying that, but like, I mean, the, the, the power and the charisma of Mara's character is definitely along the lines of a Carmilla figure. Whereas like we, we don't like, I mean, Maybe the closest to a Dracula would be Oryx. Like, I mean, because it's just that sheer sense of power. Like, it's not that you're, it's not that you're physically attracted to him. You're drawn to it because it's like a, you know, it's like a moth to a flame. It's, it's the, it's a, you know, it's going to kill you, but you can't help but go towards it. Teacher crush. You know that when mm-hmm. teachers are in that powerful position, you have the students that inevitably end up mm-hmm, attracted yeah. to them. It's that same thing, but in a more malicious, yeah, predatory yeah. way. There oh, you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even Mara could be predatorial in her own way. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I mean, you take that, take that how you will. I'm not, I'm not going to comment on. Well, then. there's a lot of different ways you could take that, and I'm just going to yeah. go. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not in smile. Not in smile. Not in smile. Not in smile, boys. Not in smile. <clears throat> but um, I think, I mean, I think that's actually probably a good place to start wrapping up. Um, I feel like oh. I've talked more than I thought I was going to talk. I'll be honest. <laughs> Good so, I was expecting it to be about this, so we're gonna yeah, get into I mean, to be fair. everything. It's you. Um, <laughs> Shots fired. I got, I got. Hey, no, I got to set it up for. Like, it's just like here, make fun of me. Go. 
Exactly. No, so, I mean, I knew that's part of the reason I picked this topic for everybody to, who's involved with the show to do, because I know that you have such a background in it and Raz has a background in it and Wicked and I can just kind of be the peanut gallery asking questions and putting input in everything. <laughs> I'm just sitting but, here um, knowing the fact my tattoo is itching, like just don't even start talking white wolf, don't even start, because both of us I mean, will never shut up. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, if we start, we start down that, yeah, no, no. There is I no will. coming back. Kind of as a teaser for the advanced episode, I want to go into more of what we kind of done this episode where we've talked about how the vampire tropes or the aspects of the vampire have related back to some of the things we see in destiny with not only the void uh, warlocks and hunters, but the awoken and hive. And I want to dive into the Vex as well and clarify whether or not the Vex are on that or even possibly get into (laughs) the, the, um, names of the various myths and their connections of like what they most closely relate to in destiny so getting mm-hmm. into more of like the energy vamps and the um, eastern mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's where I want to go take cool. me with you <laughs> so you can <laughs> shout outs real quick for the intro yeah. session yeah uh, I'll sh- I'll start. Shout out to sleep, coffee, and um, having people to work for that are really great and have some awesome pets. I've been living at a different house for the last week, which has been really weird, but also awesome. So shout out to not creepy people to house sit for. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a weird one. I'm sorry. It's I don't know. <clears throat> what about you, Wicked? Um, I do have one random shout out. This one, this um, this person is not going to be mentioned, but uh, by name. But there's a certain individual that I know is kind of struggling with the direction right now. Um, and I just want to point out to them that sometimes it's better to live a life in wonder than it is to know the absolute facts. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, sometimes I know in the lore community, we get wrapped around the axle about knowing the exact explanations or trying to figure out exactly what things mean. And we lose sight of some of the joy really that comes in reading the lore and just not knowing and being okay with that and understanding that sometimes that's a really beautiful thing. So to that individual, um, again, lots, lots of love to them and just remember not to lose sight of the, the wonder in the lore. Good stuff. And Raz, what about you? Oh, well, some people know what, my current situation is so my shout out is more of a very personal toast to um my uh my oncology team the past couple months have been very trying on my patients my sanity and um i could not be more thankful for the amount of 
care and respect some people take to looking out for other people when you think you're at rock bottom. I've gone through a lot of stuff right now and I've never felt more alive right now because of these people that are there getting me through um, stuff. So at this point right now, it's cheers to week four. One more to go. Awesome. We're glad to hear that as well. Um, I don't really have a shout out this week uh, other than, you know, hey, congratulations, you survived another week because that's pretty much where my brain is right now. Uh, it's just work. Work is work has been work. Um, but seriously, you know, again, thank you for taking your time, taking the time to listen. Um, and remember, until next time, with wisdom, we conquer. Stand strong, stand tall and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.